Our theme for this month is the issue of a pardon for a person who has committed a crime. So far, we have spoken to the secretary of the Pennsylvania Board of Pardons, Celeste Trusty, and our other guest was Naomi Blount Wilson, a recipient of a pardon from that same Board of Pardons in Pennsylvania in July of 2019. Today, we meet Akeem Sims, who also received a pardon just last August. So it's almost your anniversary of your pardon coming up uh, next month, uh, also from the Pennsylvania Board of Pardons. It's great to have you with us today, Akeem. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great You're to welcome. be on. Good. So let's go back in time. I, I did the same thing with Naomi. We went all the way back to the beginning of her story. And your story begins about 2005. What occurred that year? So in 2005, I was arrested in Philadelphia for possession with intent to deliver cocaine. Um, yeah, and in North Philadelphia, I was residing there at the time. And um, yeah, it was pulled over, um, had, as I said, cocaine in my possession and was, was arrested at that time. I see. After your arrest, um, you were given a choice of how you would serve your time. This is interesting to me. Um, tell us what options you were given. So I was sentenced to a two to four year state um state imprisonment mm -hmm. and i opted to go to a volunteer boot camp that boot camp is a six-month program that uh provides automatic parole i don't have to go in front of a parole board it's automatic uh the thing for me though that there was a waiting list to get into the boot camp so I was sentenced to two to four years, but opted to go to the, the boot camp program, which was a six month program. And but if there was a wait list, how how did you get into the boot camp? So, thank great question. So what I had to do was wait at another uh, facility or institution, two for me. So I was at both Gratersford and Camp Hill. Both of those about two and a half months, maybe three. I only end up serving a actual year, maybe only 11 months inside prison then serve the rest of my term on parole. I see, but you did get into the boot camp ultimately, I, yes? I did, yes, get into the boot camp, Kihana Boot Camp, which is up near Penn State College in Central PA. How, how far from Philadelphia is that? So it's about a, I would say a seven to eight hour ride wow. across okay. state. All right. Is that a rural part of the state? I don't know Pennsylvania that well. Yes. Yes, it is. is. It? Yeah. Yes. So how was boot camp and was it a good choice for you to have made? So I'm sorry, could you repeat that question? Of course. How, how was boot camp and was it a good choice that you made to wait your turn to get in. So how was boot camp? It was <laughs> a it was a rather unique experience. Um, they have a lot of uh, 
criteria in regards to being qualified for it, you have to be willing to, you know, sacrifice being in contact with your family, both in writing and visitation. Um, there's guidelines for shaving, doing drill, like a, you know, uh, actual boot camp for the military. Um, was it a good choice? I believe that it was a great choice for me Why? in particular. Why was that? Um, why do I say that the automatic parole, I didn't want to have to go in front of a parole board. So with that two to four year sentence, it's likely that I would have served maybe 18 months and then mm. been eligible for parole. But instead I served 11 months and got automatic parole. That's um, true. Makes a drastic change for me. You know, those six, seven months, a lot can happen. Just in those six seven months while I was at boot camp, uh, you know, my younger brother was shot. So just so much can happen in a short span of time. So I wanted to return home to my family as soon as I possibly could. So sure. it was the best choice for me. And can you give us a little idea of what how what kind of day uh, was it at boot camp? Uh, was it you know were they very strict? Was it very rigid, um, tight Definitely. schedule? Definitely very rigid. I, I like that word. Yeah. Very rigid. So we, we started our morning waking up to calisthenics, um, potentially even depending on the weather, weather permitting, it would be us going outside to uh, do like a run a mile or cross country type of training. And um, from there, we would come back, have breakfast. But during that, we were like, um, moving as a unit and marching. So anytime we're going from one um, unit to the next, we're marching as in drill sergeant, marching, him shouting out orders, potentially even shouting at you in your face about it. If you're not marching to the beat with everyone else, essentially they may be shouting orders very close to your face and potentially even um, spitting on you which, you know, I know for myself, it was, that was one of the hard things for me to accept was, you know, someone being that close and spitting on me, but I, I felt as though it was worth the sacrifice. So that, that was the day um, we had breakfast, drilled, did calisthenics. Um, we did have, well, for me, I know I had um, inpatient treatment. I didn't have a drug issue, but because of the fact my charges were connected to um, cocaine and drugs, they suggested that I do the inpatient um, training while I was there. So I did that while I was there at the boot camp as well. Um, were there any, uh, like, I don't know how to put this, fun activities, or it was all, you know, pretty uh, heavy-duty activities? I, that, that's a great question, Harriet. I think it's fun as long as you make it to be fun i know for me the after a while the calisthenics and training became more of like the fun activity of anything um after i would say about three months there i was able to get a job where i was painting on the facility so that was you know somewhat of a um, alter from the normal uh, routine of the day. So that that was 
somewhat fun for me, if if you can say having Something fun, Harriet. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think the calisthenics after a while became like a challenge and, and very fun and fulfilling for me. Good. Um, were there skills that uh, they offered so that when you left boot camp, you might be able to get a job with that particular skill or you mentioned painting? Anything else? So not 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 essentially, Harriet. There weren't many skills. They did have a fiber optics program, but it wasn't really extensive. And like I said, with me only being there for six months, it wasn't like I could be that much involved with that program. But they did have it. I just did not take advantage of it. Um, you, you had mentioned when we spoke uh, prior um, that not everybody um, can take advantage of boot camp. And you mentioned uh, shaving your beard. And um, tell us a little bit about that. So, yes, as a part of the stipulations and requirements for the boot camp is that you shave both your head and your facial hair. Um, as a practicing Muslim, that is something that's forbidden. Um, but I complied uh, much to my disappointment. Like they, they, you know, made fun of me. We got a Malcolm X here. Um, but I, I didn't allow that to affect me um, in my mindset, knowing what I had um, enrolled for complete this program six months and go back home. But yes, there's a very strict guideline in shaving your face. Even the look, the slightest stubble, mm. any drill sergeant will um, command you to actually go in the bathroom and shave your face. And they may even monitor you while you're doing it. Very strict. Um, so now boot camp is over, so we're in approximately 2007. Were you able to find a decent wage, a decent paying job when you left boot camp? No. So I was um, discharged to the halfway house, Kentuck in Philadelphia. And from there, I, you know, would have passes to leave the facility to go job hunting mm -hmm. and they would have you know partners that they would connect you with that hired uh people who had convictions either misdemeanors or potentially even a felony mm -hmm. um but those weren't positions where it was a livable wage in in, in my perspective it was only something for you to get some type of employment and maybe even get like a um, a room, like rent a room from someone, but it's not something where you could get have a leave. Excuse me, have a livable wage. Right, right. So um, you you began the process of of uh, filing an application for a pardon. Um, how how long did that process take until it was completed? Uh, so we said you got your pardon last August, 2021. How long did that take to get it? Another great question, Harriet. Um, I started the process of applying for a pardon in 2015. Wow. So that's roughly about five and a half years. 
I will share, Harriet, that during that time in 2017, um, I lost my grandmother, um, which, which took a lot out of me. And I felt even discouraged almost to the point where I wasn't going to submit the application. But uh, the legal aid representative, Erica Bryant, that I was working with, was very supportive and encouraged me, Akeem, we've come too far to not at least submit the application. And she even reminded me, she said, what would you, what do you think your grandmom would want you to do? And then her saying that, that's what really yeah. compelled me to, you know, complete the application and get it submitted. So yes, the actual fulfilling, getting the letter from the governor signed, that didn't happen until 2021. Well, that's wonderful. Were you turned down before or did you make it on the first try? No, I made it on the first try. And, wow. and, and even even in that, um, Harriet, that's great. as a part of the process, there's a merit review mm -hmm. where they review your application and see if you're qualified to have a hearing in Harrisburg. I see. My, my merit review and application was so complete and on point that Ooh. they actually voted 5-0 in my favor. And I didn't even have to attend the hearing in Harrisburg. That's incredible. Wow, yeah. that speaks very well for you. So now, um, that, what, a, what a wonderful victory. Um, so now let's come up to the present. What are you doing professionally today? Things certainly have shifted for you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the pendulum has definitely swung. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Harriet. So currently I am a accounting professional at a Asian accounting firm in Plymouth meeting PA. Um, I also hold my real estate license and I sit on the board of a nonprofit that leads the city in both expungement. And we're doing a lot of work around pardon awareness, advocacy, and policy mm. change. What What is the word for our listeners expungement mean? Expungement. So <laughs> for me, that's like a buzzword, uh, <laughs> Harriet. For, for me and a lot of the people who I know, expungement doesn't help, but an expungement allows someone who has either a summary offense or a non-conviction, summary offense or non-conviction to be removed from their record. It's a simple, fairly simple process. Some people do it on their own. Some people have an oh. attorney or maybe even legal aid file a petition for them to have their record expunged. But it is, again, only for summary offenses and non-convictions. Anyone who has, you know, a felony or something to that effect, you have to go through the pardon process. I see. I see. Um, so I'll ask you the same question I asked Naomi. Um, how important is a second chance as far as you are concerned? Mm. A second chance is gravely important. Um, the pardon process, I'll say that, the pardon process has allowed me to change. I've allowed myself grace and mercy. Um, receiving the pardon was definitely a highlight for me, but I'll say, Harriet, and I think I've shared this with you previously, that it was the person that I became along that way of obtaining the pardon. Um, speaking at 
college universities and teaching CLE classes to attorneys. I, my, my life has drastically changed. Um, I'll say this, um, now, uh, like I said, a, accounting professional prior to receiving a pardon, I was having challenges and difficulties even getting a position as a warehouse worker at Walmart. Hmm. So to go from not even being able to land a position at Walmart as a, as a warehouse worker, which I'm more than qualified for, to now being in an accounting firm where I was able to negotiate my salary and benefits. Before that, I wasn't even considered. They would call me in, interview me, do the background check, and I wouldn't hear from them anymore, or they would make me an offer, do the background check, and I would receive a letter of adverse action explaining that because of my record, I wouldn't qualify for the position. So, you know, that there, there was has been a whole lot of discussion about ban the box where you have to check a boxing. Were you ever convicted of a felony? And and that that's a, a game changer, right? Stops you right in your tracks. So yeah, it, so it works. I, it it's, it works both ways. Mm -hmm. I I believe that it's it's honestly a ploy for them to be able to check your background. Mm -hmm. um, they make in my situation with Walmart, they made me a conditional offer. I was actually calling the manager to get my schedule and got mixed messages. Oh, the manager's not here. He's in a meeting. By the third day, I had received a letter saying that, you know, I, I because of my conviction, wouldn't be able to uh, work at that job. But yeah, the ban the box works somewhat, but it's still, it's still a way for them to, it's a workaround for them to still be able to check your background and deny you for a position. Right, exactly. Now, you mentioned that um, you train to be where you are now, that you completed an accounting course, which was pretty expensive, and you have a student loan now to pay. But it was a stepping stone for you to do what you're doing right now, which is wonderful. Right? Yes. Yeah, that's, yes. that's fantastic. So you're, you make a, a living wage, and you just have to pay off that student loan, right? Yes, yes. That, that's that's one of my goals here, um, Harriet, is both um, paying down uh, the student loan debt and positioning myself to be a homeowner. Yeah, that's fantastic. So mm -hmm. your job right now, what, what actually um, do you do at the accounting firm? So I'm a staff accounting. Um, I do bookkeeping work, taxes, uh, payroll from quarterly to, you know, uh, large company payroll reports. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Like, I'm a staff accountant. I do the bookkeeping and uh, payroll and taxes on multiple levels for both individuals and organizations. Um, even exploring now, getting into nonprofit work um, and finances around um budgeting for uh, a nonprofit, tax filing for a nonprofit, things of that nature oh, as well. So uh, like a nonprofit organization, would that be a local organization or it could be anywhere in the country? So currently, I, I think uh, since I'm in the beginning stages, I think I'll just do local. 
Harriet, but mm-hmm. yes, the hope would be to expand and be able to support and serve um, nonprofits nationwide. Oh, that's that's incredible. So you're a, a numbers lover, right? You said definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So, so, so this uh, this job and the training that was something you felt a calling for. Is that how come you moved in that direction? Yes, there. I've always had a uh, desire, and um, some of like a weird relationship with both numbers and keeping track, organizing finances. Uh, I just never explored the opportunity or the potential opportunity in accounting. And while I was incarcerated um, at Camp Hill, I met a gentleman as one of my cellmates there um, who was illiterate. Um, And again, we spent a lot of time together, you know, in the cell. And he shared with me, he was like, you're too smart to be in here. And I want you to make me a promise that when you leave, you won't come back. And in that, I had to think about for myself, Harriet, what is going to be moving enough that I won't want to subject myself to a former lifestyle or revisiting prison. And so accounting was it. So I began while I was in prison. I took a money management class that they did have. Um, And from there, it just, you know, materialized. It, it, It wasn't altogether planned. It didn't work out all the ways that I wanted to, but the end result is yes, I have both tax experience. I worked with Liberty Tax for a few years, getting my gaining some experience there. Um, I attended community college, even furthering my um, educational background in regards to accounting. I wasn't able to complete an associate's degree because the funding that I had was exhausted. And because of my conviction, drug possession, you don't get so much financial aid. So um, yeah, accounting is my heart. Um, I I know that that's what's keeping me focused and centered. Uh, And then along with doing doing community work, and as Naomi said, giving giving back, giving my time back, or or, or a, a part of myself to be able to support and encourage others to be that kind of example to show, I think I said this to you, uh, Harriet, that one, it's accessible and that pardons are possible. I know that when I began, I didn't know of a pardon. As I said, expungement was the buzzword, but I knew that it wouldn't help me. Um, So pardons are accessible now. They are making it even more online the application you don't have to pay for they're reducing some of the requirements so the current administration he said i'm a numbers guy the current administration is approving a high percentage of applications so now what we're attempting to do is get applications submitted complete applications submitted from more than qualifying applicants and our hope is you know that the board goes through with actually approving pardons right well that's i love what you just said that it's possible and i want that message to come across to our listeners so and i know that boards of pardon are all across the country so thank you so very very much akeem for sharing your story with us and it's a happy ending 
Um, and I, I wish you well in your your numbers pursuit, <laughs> your accounting. You deserve to do well. Thank you so much for being here today. And next time we're going to meet a, a big change of, uh, of theme. Amy Ard from Mothers Behind Bars, an organization in the state of Georgia. So we'll change our theme. Thank you again, Akeem, and thanks for listening today on Pursuing Justice. Thanks for listening to my podcast today. You've been listening to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio, and I'm your host, Harriet.